Welcome back to Sports Scene. We will continue to take your calls on the all-time uh, college football team. It's the 150th anniversary, of course, uh, of that. But right now, we're going to talk a little pro football. Austin Gale, pro football focus, is going to join us now and uh, talk about a variety of things with Austin. Austin, how are you? Thanks for doing this. Doing great. How about yourself? Doing great. Uh, I, I want to start with... Um, the holdouts, Austin, and, and look at, if you look at Dallas, you got Elliott, you've got Prescott's contract deal, you know, Melvin Gordon. Are we going to be seeing more of this now in the future as players try to renegotiate deals? I think the running back position specifically will start to see more holdouts if a significant change isn't made in the CBA. I think with running backs, they're getting overpaid already. David Johnson, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell are all overpaid on their current contracts, and you think about it from a value standpoint, and now Melvin Gordon, Ezekiel Elliott, and I'm sure others moving forward, want to get paid, or should I say overpaid, like those other guys. And that makes things very difficult in the negotiations. Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott want David Johnson money or Ty Gurley money, but teams are getting smarter in understanding the value of the position and not wanting to do that. I think we will continue to see this until a change is made. Um, do you think they will eventually sign, or could we see a Le'Veon Bell situation again? With Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott, the situation is different because both players have to play, I'm pretty sure, six games this year if they want to count uh, if they don't want it to affect their free agency status. Le'Veon Bell was not under contract and could hold out and still become a free agent the following offseason. Um, Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon don't have that luxury. They will play. Who they play for, it's hard to say. I think there's a chance Melvin Gordon gets traded. Maybe not Ezekiel Elliott because he's so entrenched in that Dallas offense. But both players have to play this year. It's not a situation where they can sit out the entire season and remain unaffected. They need to play this year in order to continue towards that path towards free agency. And I think you will see them play when they will suit up. And who they will suit up for is still to be um, determined. Austin, sometimes uh, in the league uh, a team can afford to draft you know, some rookies and they don't have to really do much right away. You can ease them in. Sometimes they're good enough to have an impact right away. Which rookies do you think will have to make an impact for certain teams in the league? I think you have to start with the Oakland Raiders. The, the roster is so it lackluster in terms of talent on both sides of the ball that you're going to see several rookies need to make an impact, a positive impact, if this team is going to have success. You start with the starting running back. Josh Jacobs, first-round pick out of Alabama. He's slated to start for this team. First-rounder Jonathan Abram, the Saints, he's also expected to start. Cleveland Farrell, first-round defensive end. He will be starting for this team. And Hunter Renfro, I think was a day-three pick out of Clemson, is projected to start in the slot. This team is going to be leaning on rookies across the board. All of those players have to have positive impacts if this team is going to have success in 2019. Wow. Um, Just, I think, yesterday, today, um, there was a notice sent out to players, Austin, about the possibility of sitting out in case a new collective bargaining agreement is not reached with the NFL and its owners. Do you think that's just posturing? Do you think that's just preparation? Where do you think this will go? It's hard to say right now. I think a lot of it is speculation, and you don't want to really jump to conclusions. I can't imagine a scenario, you know, in today's NFL 
where the players are forced to sit out and we are missing you know, missing games with the CBA. I think some, a deal does get done. I think it's pressure. It's negotiating technique between CBA and the NFL. I think there is you know definitely you know going to be pressure applied with this letter that's been sent out. But I think in the end you're, you're going to see it uh, resolved. With what, what that agreement looks like in the end is again you know not no one knows right now. It's a lot of it is speculation. Austin, we, we, I'm going to ask you this, understanding this is in a vacuum because of injuries and things like that, but um, in, in your view, give me a team that was you know, a playoff team or good last year that might take a step back and a team that didn't make the playoffs that could this year. I think for the setback team, I'm leaning on the Chicago Bears. I think their defense played above expectation, and they got the best out of Mitchell Trubisky, an inaccurate quarterback that still has yet to really take a significant step forward from a clean pocket. I think regression, regression on both sides of the ball can be expected. They're not going to have as many defensive touchdowns as they did in 2018 and 2019. The math just doesn't add up. And with Mitch Trubisky, I think if he does – Try and take a step forward, make you know, make some harder decisions, have a more complex offense, and be at the helm. I think he's going to struggle. He's still really inaccurate with the football. Not a great decision maker. I think Mitch Trubisky. They got a great Mitch Trubisky last year. I don't see that happening again this year. And as for a team that could take a huge step forward, I think it's everyone's team that we expect to take a huge step forward. It's the Cleveland Browns. There's just so much firepower with Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry. I love Freddie Kitchens and Tom Monken on the coach on the sideline. And then you have Baker Mayfield, who had earned the second best rookie grade we've ever given a quarterback in the PFF era, and that dates back to 2006. We expect huge things from Baker Mayfield, even if he didn't have Odell Beckham Jr. Now that he does, I think really sky's the limit for this team. Can you go into a little bit of detail, Austin? Because I actually had uh, an emailer um, when they knew you were going to be on um, ask me to ask you this. You you mentioned about the grade that you give, and uh, he wanted to know how that process works. How, what criteria do you use in creating your grades for the players? That's a great question. I think the criteria specifically, the specific requirements for each player depends on the position, but from a broad sense, every player on every play in the NFL is graded from a scale of negative 2 to positive 2, uh, in, uh, two positives, two at point five increments. So the worst play in the world, you know, say it's a, <laughs> you know, you're throwing across your body across the field like Brett Favre in the playoffs. And it's an interception that goes back to the house will be a negative two. You know, Mario that Mario Manningham catch in the Super Bowl with Eli Manning down the sideline that would be a positive two, and there's stuff that falls in between. And with that, once we get all of those scores, you know, say a player finishes with a positive 2.5 or a positive 3.5, then that gets normalized on a scale for the position into 0 to 100 grades for ease of understanding. We we do that for every single play, on for every player, and, and really when it comes out of that, the, the normalization creates 0 to 100 grades. And that is not just one person grading those games. There's a first set of people that grade the games, a second set, and then a third set that reviews the grades. It's all a very long process that's been detailed and being been done since the early 2000s. Final question for you. Um, all eyes are always on the quarterback position. We saw what happened with Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. Do you expect what rookie quarterback, if any, do you expect to make an impact this year? 
I'm really, really high on Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. I think he's in a perfect situation to show off an elite skill set. He was very accurate at Oklahoma, can throw the deep ball, and he's great with his legs. He moves really efficiently in the pocket, whether he's scrambling or trying to rush, you know, beyond the line of scrimmage. And with Clay's Kingsbury pulling the strings in what should be a heavy 10 personnel, 11 personnel offense, leaning on an air raid system, or at least a version of it, I think he's going to have a ton of success. And there's enough talent in Arizona outside of the offensive line that he can really act on with Larry Fitzgerald in the slot, Andy Isabella, one of our highest-graded receivers this past year. I, I really like the weapons he has, the coach he has. Kyler is in a great spot to have a good year one. Austin, where can people see your work? Go to pff.com, subscribe to Edge or Elite while you're there to check out all the advanced stats and grades we speak to. Always appreciate you. We look forward to having you or other people from Pro Football Focus on with us all during the NFL season. Thanks for doing it, Austin. Thank you. Have a good one. You got it. Knows his stuff. Austin Gale, Pro Football Focus. Um, in case you missed it, um, in the coaches' preseason poll, one Gator was named to the first team, C.J. Henderson, um, and then others, running back LaMichael P. Ryan. Defensive lineman Jabari Zaniga, linebacker David Reese, punter Tommy Townsend, and kicker Evan McPherson, all named to the second team. That was the coaches' preseason All-SEC football team. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, coming up, I'm going to have you react to an email of Stevens. Stevens says, last night on the SEC Network, Greg McElroy picked Missouri second in the East and Florida third, saying the Gators were a year away. Do you buy that? Do you sell it? 1246, time check brought to you by Hayes Jewelry, ESPN, 981 FM, 850 AM, WYUF.